0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Where this week we are privileged to have Pastor Aaron Dods giving a great message. Enjoy.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be here. It's so wonderful to have our transformed DJs friends here, uh, becoming dear friends. And we want to thank you from the bottom of our heart because you are catalysts. You are catalysts, and uh, I remember that from a chemistry: how catalysts they speed up a reaction and um, your influence is impacting, uh, and you've, you've begun something here in Dunfermline through the, the, the relationships here, and we're just so excited to see what God is doing. Thank you, because we need to use all means to reach all people. Paul became all things in order to reach people with different ways, means, and methods, and for some it's EDM, um, for others, it's sitting around your dinner table. We're on Power Lines of Connection, week four. We're on the first Sunday of Advent. And does anybody know what Advent means? Coming. So we, at Christmas time, we start to ask ourselves, why did Jesus, who was described as the Prince of Peace or the Prince of Shalom, come into the world? Because we should celebrate the Christmas in in the spirit in which he came. We should celebrate Christmas in the spirit in which he came and how did he come? This is the spirit of his coming. It can be summed up as Luke 19.10, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now Jesus' advent or coming was a search and rescue mission. He is the Prince of Shalom. He came to repair that which was broken. He came to fix it. We've had enough of Brexit. What we need is fix it to restore to completeness and wholeness. Now Coldplay, in their song, Fix You, describe well our brokenness and our need of fixing. Now Chris Martin, the singer, describes it as probably the most important song we've ever heard written now apparently he wrote the song for Gwyneth Paltrow when her father died and when writing the song Chris Martin originally intended to use a church style organ for the track but he was unable to get one so he instead used an old keyboard that his late father-in-law Bruce Paltrow to whom the song is dedicated gave to his daughter let's just listen to the words for one minute shall we let's play that video thank you stuck in reverse. Does anyone know what that's like? It's said to mean that everything in your life is backwards and you feel like you're drowning in failure. You're stuck in reverse. When you're drowning in failure, when everything is opposite of how it should be Now many people at some point in their life feel like they're stuck in reverse and they're hoping for someone that can fix you. And that's the hope of our world. That's the need of our world, isn't it, for fixing. The need is to fix the pain, the loss, the brokenness, and the hope is that someone or something will fix you. But very quickly we discover that no human being, no bottle of liquid, Nothing that you smoke or inject or even swallow from a prescription can actually fix you. They may alleviate the pain, they may help with the symptoms, but none of them really fix the problem because we need someone to fix you. We need someone to, there we go, fix it. We've had enough of Brexit. We need fix it. We need put back Together again, humanity, the world needs fixed. We need the cracks repaired. The com- we need restored to completeness. We need restored wholeness. We need restored. You need shalom. You need a prince of Shalom to bring it to you, and not as a one-off, but ongoing every day of our lives. We need the shalom, because we all have cracks. And we all need someone to fix you. Now, Jesus is described in Isaiah 9 verse 6, a very wonderful, powerful Advent scripture, as a Prince of Shalom. It's translated as a Prince of Peace, but Shalom is much more than the absence of war. Shalom is completeness and wholeness. It describes... And these notes, by the way, are on the U Version Bible app. If you have U Version Bible app, click on More, click on Events. Your location service device should detect here. You've got it all with the notes in there, okay? But we need shalom. We need the, Isaiah 9 6. Shalom is completeness and wholeness. And Jesus is the Prince of completeness and the Prince of wholeness. The word shalom describes a stone that is complete with no cracks. It describes, shalom describes a stone wall that has no gaps because it's complete and it's whole. To bring shalom means to bring and make complete or to restore includes restoring broken relationships, to completeness and wholeness. And that's what the Prince of Shalom came to do, to repair, to restore, to completeness and wholeness our lives and the world. He came to seek and save the lost. So Advent is a time and season to think about the Missio day. The Missio day is Latin for the mission of God. And I like this definition here. Missio Dei is Latin, and it means this. Mission is not primarily an activity of the church, but an attribute of God. God is a missionary God. Wow, think about that for a second. Here's another way of putting it. He sums it up. David Bosch. Bosch. There you go, Bosch, that. Going to have some Bosch in this morning, all right? To participate in mission is to participate in mission. The movement of God's love toward people, since God is a fountain of sending love. I love that quote because not mission is not something we need to do. Mission is something that God is doing, and we just need to get with them. We just need to partner with them because God is on the move. His, he is a fountain. He's moving. He's flowing, and we just need to flow with him. So the coming of Jesus. It was a search and rescue mission. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so Advent is a season to think about the mission of God, to seek, to rescue, and to fix lost people. Now John Piper says it like this, and it's on your notes. He says, quote, it's a season for cherishing and worshiping this characteristic of God, that he is a searching and rescuing God, that he is a God on a mission, that he's not aloof or passive or indecisive. He is never in maintenance mode, coasting or drifting. He is sending, pursuing, searching, saving. That's the meaning of Advent. He goes on to say, the book of Acts is a celebration of this Advent heart of God on the move to seek and save the lost. The book of Acts is a narration of Jesus' ongoing advent. Remember, advent means coming. It's a narration of Jesus' ongoing advent or coming into more and more peoples of the world. Acts is a story of how the the early church understood the words, as the Father has sent me, so even I am sending you. It's a story of how the vertical advent's vertical up and down, the vertical advent, the coming of God in the mission of Jesus bends out and becomes the horizontal, remember that sideways, the horizontal coming, the horizontal advent of Jesus in the mission of the church, in us. Jesus came into the world at the first advent and every advent since is a reminder of his continual advent into more and more lives. And that Advent, in fact, our Advent, our coming, our moving into the lives of those around us and into the peoples of the world. That was John Piper's The Dawn of Indestructible Joy Advent Reflections. And that Advent is in fact our Advent, our coming, our moving into the lives of those around us and then to the peoples of the world. Now, we're in a series called Power Lines of Connection, looking at the power of connecting. And today we're going to look at a different example from Jesus' life. But I just want to have a local story of the power of connecting. Last week I talked about reclining at table and how many times we see Jesus reclining at table as a powerful way to reach and to extend the good news and the kingdom of God. Let's just watch this local story. Thank you. Hey, guys. My
0: name is Rachel. And we just moved to Dunfermline from Dundee. A big change, but it's been awesome. And we've really been enjoying Aaron's preaches on being hospitable because as a family, that's what we love doing anyway. We love having people around the table and having a laugh and eating too much food. And when you realize that that is evangelism, it's awesome it takes that like hitting your head of a brick wall feeling when you're trying to share the gospel sometimes it becomes natural and for me as a an evangelist it just it gets me excited I get excited to have people around my table I get excited to share my story in my house I like to pray over my house and just ask the Holy Spirit to just be there so that when they come in and they sit at my table the Holy Spirit's there whether they know or not that they would feel a peace at my table that conversation would flow easily and that the name of Jesus would not need to be pushed but it would just happen and I would like to share a couple of stories of that happening if that's alright and um, the first one is Blair invited his work colleague and his new fiance around so we thought you know we'll celebrate their engagement get some curry relax and, and have lots of food and hopefully a good laugh and just naturally faith came up and I shared my wee, a wee bit of my story, not much actually, and she was desperate to find out more. Conversation would go another way and she would want to know about Jesus. She was like, can we get back to that? So I was able to share my story and by the end of it, she wanted to go to Alpha. And I just thought that was amazing because there was no effort on my part. Literally, I was having fun. And sometimes evangelism, we can think, oh my goodness, there's like a dread that hits your stomach when you're, when you're about to, evangelise so for me that's just awesome and moving to Dunfermline you don't know anyone really so for us it was like we need to get to know our neighbours for our sake as well as theirs you know and so I know most of my neighbours and just out of default I've shared my story because they've been in my house they've asked about me I'm new it's been great but um, there's a neighbour in particular across the road a young girl and I've just spent loads of time with her And I've had a great time. But because of that, naturally, my stories progress with her because our relationships progressed. And she's asking so many exciting questions about Jesus. And it's just awesome. She's, as a couple, they've been around our house many times and we've just had such good fun. And the gospel's been shared. I think that's crazy. I think that's awesome. It's like something just dropped in me. That's like evangelism can actually be easy and fun. Um, and what I love about this is it takes that lie away that says you're, an evangel- you're not an evangelist because you're shy or you're scared to do it. It just takes that. It makes it non-existent. It means that anyone there's do it. There's no, there's no um, barrier at all anymore. It's like you can invite someone for a cup of tea. It makes it easy. So I challenge you. to to text that person you've been meaning to text for ages to meet up, or when you say, I'll catch up with you soon, make a date, put it in the diary, and I really challenge you to just invite people around. It's it's fun, and yeah, go for it. Hey guys, my name is Rachel, and... Come on, let's give it up for that Uh, wonderful example.
1: Wow, you know, that is tremendous. That's so encouraging, that is so thrilling to see... That you know, we were describing the mission of God, the advent, the coming of God. That's advent right there. That's the spirit of advent right there. I, I don't know how many times there the words were "joy and "joyed," easy. That's not what we normally associate. But last week we looked at reclined, relaxing the power of rest and relaxation, because love is patient, and we have to be patient with people. You don't bang them on the head once with a Bible and like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to church, mate. (laughs) Love is patient. So good. Thank you so much, Rachel. Let's give her one more round of applause. Uh, I think actually I should just sit down and give Rachel the she can come and finish this message, because it's just, I love it. It's so encouraging. So, But today, Jesus teaches in this story, we're going to look at, if you are forgiven much, you will love much. We could also say, if you're forgiven much, you will have much mercy and kindness towards others. Because mercy and kindness is a practical outworking of love. So if you're forgiven much, you will love much. If you're forgiven much, you will have much mercy. Because if you're consumed with how much he loves you, And has forgiven you, then it will overflow with love and grace and mercy for others naturally. Now, in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, we have Jesus. And it's amazing in verse 36, look how it starts again. Remember, we looked at triclinium last week. You have to listen to the message from last week. We looked at rest and relaxation. Me, Tim and Joe had a wee lie down and uh, our, our servant never brought us any food. We found a new one for this week. But anyway, verse 36, look how it starts. One of the Pharisees asked to eat with him. So we've got food again, again. He went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. We have a table again. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table. There we go. So we've got the same scenario, the same situation. We've got rest and relaxation again. Now, we have Jesus reclining at the table of a Pharisee called Simon. And last week, we discussed at length the word reclining, And again, we can see here as another example of something powerful happening while Jesus was in a posture of rest, relaxation, at a table, eating. Again, here we are in this context. Now, a certain woman who was a known prostitute came in with a flask of expensive ointment, and she began weeping, and she began to wet Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And in your notes, there's a link to a YouTube clip that you can see of um, a reenactment of this situation, and it's a bit old-school, and some of the language um, is a bit old-school, but it's incredibly powerful in actually making the story come alive, and the intimacy of someone touching somebody's feet and wiping them with their tears and their hair is incredibly intimate, and with an ointment, and then, you know, if that was me, that happened to me, I would be in fits of laughter because I've got the tickliest feet in the world. I'm so glad I'm not in that culture today because actually we did do that once. We had a foot washing uh, thingy where people had to wash their feet and I just, you know, it was, it was quite a somber atmosphere and they came to me and I was in fits. Honestly, I literally put one finger on my foot and that was it. I was, uh, I've, I've got the tickliest feet ever. So Jesus, maybe they, they had tougher feet in those days. They weren't as tickly, but ours are pampered with socks and trainers. So... But um, so she, she came and she wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. She wiped him with her hair. She kissed his feet. My goodness, it's an incredibly um, uh, powerful scenario we've got here. Incredibly intimate. For a known prostitute to do this to the Son of God, with a, a Pharisee called Simon looking on and having certain thoughts. Now, this is what one commentary says of the ointment that she used. It's in your notes. And it says, used here in the narrative, it implies that the cruise of ointment had not been bought. It was something she had received as a gift or possibly as the wages of her sin. And not only was it prearranged, part of a deliberate intention, but evidently it was not displeasing to Jesus. So perhaps ointment, maybe that she had received as a gift, as wages for her life, as a prostitute she brings to anoint Jesus' feet. And Jesus allows this to happen. She kisses Jesus' feet, she anoints him with ointment, and this was a disgusting scenario to the Pharisee, to Simon. The Pharisee said to himself that if Jesus was a prophet, which he was, and he knew what all about her he would know what kind of woman this was and he would not allow it so Jesus answers him in Luke chapter 7 41 to 48 so Jesus tells him a story a man loaned money to two people 500 pieces of silver to one we could call that 50,000 pounds it's equivalent to 20 months wages so 50,000 pounds to one And 50 pieces, that's two months wages, so 50,000 he loans to one person, 5,000 pounds to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. So one person has 50 grand cancelled, one has 5 grand cancelled. And Jesus says, who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. And in the video, this is an incredibly powerful moment. And she's there with tears and broken and pouring out our love and appreciation to, to Jesus. He says, look at the woman here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my, the dust off from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet, the feet that were soon to be pierced by nails. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And then your notes, there's, Quite a lengthy quote from what's called the Bible, Biblical Illustrator Commentary. Again, it's old school, good, articulate English literature. And, uh, but I'm just going to read a small piece. And uh, if you enjoy it, you can read the full piece. And if I had more time, I'd love to read the full piece to because they're so powerful. But, but I'm just going to read a small piece. It's commentary says, but come to Jesus... With, with his words of grace and truth. From the cold winter night of the ascetic come into the summer of the great evangelist. Let that flinty frozen spirit bask a little in the beams of the sun of righteousness. Listen for a little to those words which melted the sinner into a penitent which broke her alabaster box and brimmed over in tears of ecstatic sorrow and self-condemning devotion. For finding that you too have much forgiven, you also will love much. And that's from the biblical illustrator commentary. And uh, the, the, the start of that quote is just uh, beautifully written, beautiful metaphor has been used but it's, i'm talking about the power of grace and love if someone is hard and frozen and solid you can beat it with a hammer and break it into small pieces but it remains as hard and frozen and solid and that's what legalism and law does to the hard heart and yet jesus came in grace and truth it's the son bringing the hard ice into the presence of the sun of righteousness, he describes it, bringing it into the warmth and grace of truth of Jesus Christ and it will begin to melt the hardness and the, the waters will flow. Beautiful, beautiful language. But we see the connection here between knowledge of God and mercy. We're getting an insight again between knowledge of God, experiential knowledge. That's what she had this woman, experiential knowledge of God and the result is acts of love and kindness. You see, the one with the greater debt forgiven is the one who has greater knowledge of God and it results in greater love, greater appreciation, greater honor and greater mercy. And the one who has the greater knowledge Remember, we say that that's yada, it's not just knowing the Bible, it's experiential, deep, personal, relational knowledge. The one who has that greater yada knowledge of this love, of the kindness, the goodness and forgiveness of Father has a greater love in return. Jesus says a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And I think we're getting here a massive insight and to help us, To know what it means to be a Christian. Because as we looked at last week. We've got two great commandments. To love God. And to love people. Love God. Love people. But we will love little. If we're forgiven little. And I think we're getting a massive key. How change comes to us in our life. The key to compelling all that you do, the key to motivation, the key to desire is your knowledge of His grace and love and daily experiential relationship with His love in your life. The key is knowing how loved and forgiven you are on a daily basis. That's knowledge. That's what we're talking about. That's grace. That's knowledge of God daily aware of how broken and far we fall short, and yet greatly aware of how incredible his love, his grace, his kindness and forgiveness is to us. That's essential in our life, for the waters to flow and for us to be merciful. Because if we think we don't have much need for forgiveness, if we are quite self-righteous like the Pharisees whose sin was more internal than external, our love will be little, for him and our love for others and mercy for others and kindness towards others will be little. They they love little because in their minds, they're pretty good in and of themselves and don't need much mercy and kindness and forgiveness themselves. But your love and dedication to God come from a deep connection, a deep connection with Father. And if we're ever gonna connect with human beings, it's gonna start with our connection with Father. Connected to His love, understanding and experiencing regularly, daily, through worship, through prayer, through meditation and studying and experiencing His love for ourselves. Because in Hosea passage last week, we saw that God desired two things in Hosea verse 6. I desire mercy and knowledge of God. But I desire mercy, not, not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Two things God wanted, two things God desired, mercy and knowledge of God. And there we again, we have the connection between mercy and kindness and knowledge of God. They're essential to fulfill the great commandments. Think about that. Both of those are essential to fulfill the two great commandments. Knowledge, because we are told that uh, in in the book of 1 John that... We love because he first loved us. So our love starts with him. Our knowledge, our our love will flow as we experience more of him. We're also told in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for it's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. What is it that fuels our passion? What is it that motivates us? Christ's love. So there we have mercy and knowledge are required to fulfill the two great commandments because if you have knowledge of God and experience his love, you will love much and it will be the first command and it will result in mercy and kindness to other people which is essential for the second command as we we learn in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, okay? So we need to know how much we're forgiven we need to know how much God loves us. We need to be daily aware of how much we fall short and how much forgiven we are because our motivation comes from that deep understanding and experience of his love. Now, Paul prays for greater knowledge of God in Ephesians three seventeen to 19, and I'm bringing this to a close in a few minutes, okay? Paul prays that Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith and i pray that you may have roots and foundation in love so that you together with all of god's people may have the power to understand how broad and long and high and deep is christ's love and to know the love of christ that surpasses knowledge that you this these last words are incredible if we actually believe them it says that you may be filled with all the fullness of god So again, the amount that you change, the amount that you love God and that you will love people is directly proportional to your knowledge and experience and your experience of His love. The more you know Him, the more yada, experiential knowledge that you have, the more that you will love Him in return. The more love you will have for God, the more love you will have for people because when our mercy for others diminishes, it's a sign that there's a disconnection in this relationship. We need this connection, this relationship with God sorted. Paul prays for the Ephesians to have the power to understand how broad and long and high and deep is Christ's love, and to know this love which surpasses knowledge. And I suppose that's my real uh, encouragement and challenge to us, and the problem is we try to do this alone, we try to experience God's love on our own, we go away and we worship on our own and we pray on our own. But the Lord's Prayer, the very first word is what? Our, if you look through all the Lord's Prayer, it's our, forgive us. It's not singular, it's plural because we're meant to live life together. And if you read the one another's in the Bible, we grow as we connect together. He says that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. The Good News Bible says that you would be filled completely with the very nature of God. The Amplified Version says that you would have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. I want to ask you a question. What would it look like if you were filled with the fullness of God? What would it look like if you were completely filled with the very nature of God? What would it be like if you were filled and flooded with God himself? Ephesians, as we just read, says, how does that come about? It comes about as we know His love, how deep, how high, how wide is love, and that's what happens is when we know His love, when we're immersed in His love, when we have experience of His love. Not once off when we became a Christian 20 years ago, but ongoing, filled daily by the Holy Spirit. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who, whom He asks? And the Holy Spirit pours out the love of the Father into our hearts. And so it's this ongoing experience being filled with the love of God. Eating of the manna daily. Fresh manna every single day. Not taking enough from yesterday. Yesterday manna is not enough. We need fresh manna every single day. Now let's draw this to a close. Let's have the band back up, okay? So, if we were filled with God we would be more loving, we would be more merciful, we would be more kind. And that's the incredible truth I think that we're discovering today. He reveals himself to us to change us. Our change comes the more we experience him. It's internal, not external. It's washing the inside of the cup, not the outside of the cup. The way to be merciful is to be filled with the knowledge of the merciful one. Larry Crabb puts it this way. You heard that a few weeks ago. The absolute center of what he does is to help us change, to help us change, is to reveal himself to us. And may the coming this Christmas be him revealing himself to you and the depths of his love. Maybe we could just have Tim on the keys or just the keys for now, please. But just... The coming of Jesus this year would be the coming of his love into your life. To give us, Larry Crab says, a taste of what he's really like and to pour his life into us. The absolute center of what he does to help us change is to reveal himself to us. And again, how God reveals himself to us is by connecting with others who have him inside of them. For where two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. And so we cannot, absolutely cannot and must not try to live the Christian life, try to change on our own because we cannot do it. That's why if we confess our weaknesses and our sin to one another, that's when healing comes. Problem is we're doing it on our own. We're ashamed and hiding and not telling anybody our weaknesses and struggles. Just by telling someone already you're you're on the road to change and recovery. Connection is so powerful. Jeremiah 9 24, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. Because this Advent is a reminder of the coming of Jesus and the Spirit of which he came was the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This Advent reminds us of our need for fixing. It reminds us of the need that people have for fixing but the Prince of Shalom came to repair and to restore, restore to completeness and wholeness. He's come to seek and to save the lost, and his advent now is through you. His advent is coming now is through us, his people, his church. He came to seek and save, and our God is on a mission, and we're invited to join him. And first, let's grow in our knowledge and understanding experience of his love, but let's do it together, not alone. You need Christian friends, and you need to be meeting with them regularly, and life groups are great, but in twos and threes, praying together, sharing together, asking for help, telling of your weakness, tell them that you're a grumpy so-and-so in the house. We already know anyway, so what are you trying to hide it for? Tell with your struggles, grow in our knowledge of him, grow in our knowledge of how much he loves us. And as we do, guess what happens? We realize how much we're forgiven and we will love much. He who's forgiven much, loves much. We will love him and fulfill the greatest commandment and we will love others and fulfill the second. But it's all about love. It's simple. All you need to do in any situation is just ask What is the most loving thing I can do right in this moment? And then of all the 613 commands, all you need to do is just do one thing, just to love. What is the most loving thing? That's what Jesus boiled the whole of the law down to. Simplified it. Our New Testament law is this, love people. What must I do? What is the most loving thing I can do to this person in this moment, in this situation? So two things I hope. People say, well, what's the practical application? What is the practical application of your word? Only simply this, and I hope it's been woven throughout the whole message. The whole practical application is know him, be consumed with his love and do it together. The other one is to participate in the movement of God's love toward people, since God is a fountain of sending love. God is on mission, let's join him. Let's, this Christmas, let's stand to our feet. This Christmas, we will, we will enjoy family. We will eat lots of food. There will be lots of turkey. There will be lots of presents. There will be lots of debt. There will be lots of time alone. But I want to say God is coming. There is a neighbor in your street that maybe you could take 15 minutes to have a cup of tea with. There's someone who's elderly that may not have any family that's coming into their home take 15 minutes away from your family to spend time with someone who has no family do not idolize the family love the family but don't make it an idol don't put it don't let it hinder you from doing anything this christmas of course our family take your family with you take your kids round to the neighbor and let them see your example of flowing in that love let's bless let's be on a mission let's pray let's close our eyes dear father we thank you for your love we thank you that you are a god who is on mission we thank you lord that you want us to become all things to all people in order to reach them lord we thank you for the methods of edm we thank you for the the clubs and lord we need more of that and we're excited about more of that we thank you for those who go on the streets we thank you for all means lord And Jesus, we thank you for your example of reclining and resting and relaxing with those far from God in order to listen, in order to reveal your love, your mercy, your kindness. Father God, I pray that your spirit would take each one of us deep into the knowledge of your love for us because we're all broken, Lord. We're all need fixed and only you can fix us, Lord. And daily, Lord, we wake up burdened and troubled we wake up, Lord, with weakness and struggles, but Lord, may we be a people who are consumed with your love. And may we be a people that do it together, that grow in our connection with you, with each other, and with the world, that we may flow with your love. This Christmas, Lord, may you come again to Dunfermline, May we see the advent, the coming of Christ to Dunfermline as the church, is the church advents, as the church comes, as the church moves out of the building, across the street, into the homes, and shines the light into the dark places, bringing kindness and mercy and love to soften and melt the hard, icy, stone hearts of those who are far from you. Jesus, we love you. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. Have your way today. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in this city, in Jesus' name. Let's let's close with a song and then Alan can send us out. Come on, let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a big advent. Show of our appreciation and celebration.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.